Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Daily Diatribe. Today is the 26th of March in the year 2020. There's obviously a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, we have the biggest stock market three-day gain since 1931, which is finally some good economic news we get to forecast. Uh, on a little side note, I'm sure some of you are wondering the song that I chose the opening this morning because it wasn't in English. And it wasn't just instrumental either. Uh, I watched a documentary about the Russian Revolution today. Uh, and so I wanted to play that to commemorate the brave forces of the uh, combined Allied armies, including American soldiers who went in and fought the communists and Canadian and British soldiers and so many other soldiers who fought against Russian communism to try to prevent uh, the rise of the Soviet Union. So that was just a little song dedicated to those brave soldiers who fought against Bolshevism. Uh, today... I also have some big news. Uh, one of my co-hosts, say say hello, both of, both co-hosts. Hello. And so one of you got to ask a question to the governor today. So, Red, tell us all about that. Oh, uh, if there's any Michiganders listening who watched the town hall, I was on it. And um, so basically, the process that happened leading up to this was yesterday uh the youth and government instagram posted a question like this thing like hey there's going to be a, a virtual town hall if anyone would like to ask a question please submit here and being the person i am i was like i am gonna do that and so i um apply and um a couple hours later i get an email from someone with the uh, news network there and he's like hey we want to um we want to uh, have you as one of the askers, or um, the question askers. Can we have your um, Skype? And I was like, uh, yes. And so that was yesterday. And today at um, 1.45, we did a uh, sound and um, did an audio and visual check. And then uh, I was told to stand by at 7, and at 7, around 7.18, I believe I went live. So what was the question? Um, here, I have it written down on my phone. So I can read it word for word. Uh, states like Kansas and Virginia have closed schools for the rest of the year. Is it a possibility that Michigan will be following suit? If so, will students have to make up time missed? And so what was the, what was the governor's response? Well, see, the thing is, she said several words. But she didn't really answer. So, uh, what several <laughs> words did she say? Um, she, first of all, she thanked me for asking, uh, as most politicians would do. Uh, she said, she emphasized how much she cares for the health and safety of Michigan's children. She told us that she has two children who are in high school. Um, then she said she doesn't know what's going to happen. Well, I mean, you know, I got, I got to give her points for honesty there. Yeah. But the thing that irks me is, um, I mean, it was it was an honor to be able to like do that, clearly. But why are you going to have a town hall if you don't know what's going to happen? It's fine to not know what's going to happen. No one knows. But why are you going to act like you're going to give answers and then give no answers? Well, you know, I mean, I, I'm actually kind of wondering about the network there for a moment, because if they chose a question and they knew that nobody has the data, because if they, they didn't have the data... And so why would they assume, you know, 
Everybody I else was, has the data. I was the first question in like the um, school uh, section, and there were like three askers. Um, there uh, like I think three askers total. Like there were two after me, and they asked like additional questions like um, about you know all, online enrichment, what have you. She didn't give any answers. Well, I gotta say that that is a little. A little disheartening. I have met the governor before uh, on one occasion. Oh, uh, who haven't you met? Uh, I haven't met any astronauts. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure Double wants to say That's our other co-host. He knows all the astronauts. Yeah, you, you know all the astronauts, right? A few of them. Yeah, all of them. Every single person who's ever been to space, he knows. Uh, I, don't, I don't know any of the Russian ones. That makes you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh... But either way, you know, I, I met the governor before. The governor seems like a pretty direct person, so I, I yeah. guess, you know, that that's kind of a little concerning, just because, you know, yeah. you, you want direct answers, you want straight answers, you want some certainty. And I, I do believe that if there is not certainty, that it's not good to project uncertainty. You know what I the mean? Ambiguity scares me. What? The ambiguity of her responses disturbed me. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's what I fear people will get I mean, out of that. Is that I, I drop a Star Wars quote, but I'm not sure everybody's seen Star Wars. Uh, I, I'm sure the people watching this have seen at least some. Her lack of faith disturbs me. Ah, uh, yes, that quote. Is it a bad time to say I've never seen a Star Wars movie? You know, well, I, I, think you, I think you've told us that before, which is why I was scared to say it. <laughs> so I'd like to know, out of the three major franchises, you, you, have, you have not seen a Harry Potter movie, have you? No. I've, um... I've seen all the Harry Potter movies except for the last one. Okay, so that's the one you've seen. Everybody's seen one of the three, either either uh, Harry Potter, Narnia, or Star Wars. Some people have seen uh, all um, of them. Some people have seen all of them. Me, got me hooked on Narnia. I still have to watch uh, Prince Caspian. Yes, I, I, I introduced her to Narnia just because I decided to take it upon myself to try to listen to the entire audiobook for all, you know... What is it? Six books of Narnia. I haven't started yet. I should probably start. I read them all. Uh, don't spoil it because I'm I'm gonna. Everybody I'm, dies. I mean, I, I know that part because I know it follows a biblical framework. And that's also true. At the end of the Bible in the Book of Revelation, just just Revelation, by the way, it's not called Revelations. It was just one Revelation, and that Revelation was the world. It's no, like that's just for everybody. Call, that's just for it's everybody. It's like when people call the store Meyer Myers. Like that's not how that works. Yeah. I agree with that, and I believe that that's because most of the time, like previously when you talk about a store, like at the beginning of a conversation, you're going to use Meyer in the possessive. I don't... And, I don't then, and, then you forget, and then you forget to switch out of the possessive, but I don't know why, because for other things... explanation for it. It's very much like a dialect thing. Like up here, it's very much a dialect thing. Yeah, I, I, got, I, have to, I do Speaking have to say... dialects... Yes. So, you know how I, like, haven't left home because of this whole thing? Yes. Really? really? The rest of us have just been going out every... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't make me feel even worse than I already do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyways, my um, Canadian accent is, like, returning because it's basically me and my siblings and my mom and my dad still works. <laughs> so, Red, so you... I actually said, like, pretty cool A, and my mom just, like, looked at me. She's like, did you just really say A? And I was like, oops. <laughs> I do have to say, I, I was watching Canadian news a while ago, uh, because I was watching their elections. And, oh yeah. And the ones who have the thickest Canadian accent are the Quebecois who speak English. 
because they don't know English English. Like most English speaking Canadians have been exposed to enough American English. To You're where... calling American English English English? No, no, I'm going to call English 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 English. We're American English. They've been exposed to enough American English to where you they know, sound you normal told to me, us. Yes. If you had told me that you would say English four times in a row during the show. Yes. I would. I, I don't think I would have believed you. I, I actually think you would have. <laughs> Weirder things have happened on this show. Always finds a that, way. You know what? That was, that was a random chip event. No, no. <laughs> you lose 10 points just for that. I'm not keeping score, but when, I, when I'm asked, you're at negative 10. Everyone else is at zero, but you're at negative 10. Either way, uh, we have recently talked, and uh, you know, once again, I'd actually like to congratulate Red for getting a question in front of the governor. That was pretty impressive. You know what's so funny? What? Uh, my favorite part, I watched like some of the other questions. My favorite part is when people were like, you know, thank you so much, Governor Whitmer, for handling the situation as well as you did. I don't know what we'd be without you. And they're basically just groveling. And I'm just like standing from TV like, ask your question. You know, has she really done that much besides like the stay at home order? I mean, I think she was er she was like early on all that stuff, though. Because I know, like, I mean, she, she was the fourth most cases in the country. We have the fourth. Yes. What are we at? We're after Washington, California, and New York. Yeah. You know, we can always take the positive view of it. We can say that we we can say that we're uh, so high because we're actually getting a, a good amount of tests out. But that that'd be kind of looking on the bright side of life, as they say. Mm. Yeah. But my, my the point I'm trying to make is, don't have a prelude to your question do you know what i said before i asked i said hi and that's it well i don't think they're gonna ask you another question i mean thankfully you were straightforward you didn't ah. you didn't spend any i think that's good though because i don't i honestly think that politicians probably get tired of that like uh mm -hmm. you ever seen monty python and the holy grail oh my goodness i love that okay movie. it's yeah. been a while but i have remember how god gets ticked off when they keep groveling and it, it takes like 10 minutes, he's like, no, stop with all the groveling. Just just get to the point here. Or I got, I got a better example from Monty Python. I would also, I would like to hear that. When they keep reading out of the book and the guy just grabs a hand grenade and throws it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just just skip to the end. Uh, and then it didn't work. It did work. Remember, they, forget. they blew up the rabbit. That was what they needed to do. Okay, but like after half of them lost an arm or a leg. Mm-hmm. That's how it went. It was but a flesh How did we get on to this? How did we get on to Monty Python? Either way. Okay. Just to this stay on for just a second. Just a second. Did you you still have the meme that I sent you of the which, um, which one? The knight who lost memes. his arms and legs with the flesh wound in the wheelchair. How long ago was that? Like last week. I, I can't I can't remember memes from a week ago. You send so many, they all just blur together. Uh, was it by the text mail or was it by Instagram? I've never, I don't know. Uh, I'm, gonna I'm gonna have to start looking now. I'm gonna assume it's by the Instagrams. But let's go back to talking about the government. Ah, yes, the, the government. Either way, uh, uh, I would like to note, I mean, once again, that we had some pretty good economic gains today. Hey. I, I was very happy about it. Uh, I think it's important that we're finally seeing a little bit of recovery. And this is, uh, you know, I would say a big warning sign for the Democratic Party is if 
Trump gets back the Dow Jones Industrials up to about 29,000 again. I think by at latest August 1st or somewhere around there, I think he will, you know, have a, the talking point, you know, I built a robust economy and all that. You Even know? if he doesn't get us back to 29K and he gets us like to the point where we have steady growth and it's still good and we're not in a recession, be like, yes, we did something Europe couldn't do. That, that's true. I mean, because like our labor market, like, okay, context of this is that the U.S. had like its largest unemployment claim ever last week with 3 million people. But that's not a problem that, like, we've come upon. That's a problem that we've created by enforcing social distancing. Yeah. Um, it will recover because yeah. those jobs will still be needed once people go back outside. Yeah, because people are like, all right, we're done. Let's go back to normal. People just go back to work. People will probably enjoy going back to work. So, you know, your happiness scale will be up, too. I mean, that, um, that's true. I think after this is all over, the consumer confidence index will just, you know, straight up. I mean, kids want to go back to school, which says something. Yeah, I mean, that'll give parents, you know, smaller headaches. We may, we may, feel we may see about, declines um, in ibuprofen sales. <laughs> how, do you guys, how do you guys feel about um, Trump trying to uh, make it so that we're going to go back, like, pretty soon? He, he said maybe. I watched the whole town hall. Hmm? I watched the entire event. That he's when he just, when they finally said, when do you want to do it? He said April, or like, when he said Easter weekend would be cool. He said if, not like a definite, like, that's when he'd like to do it. But if, you know, the circumstances don't provide, then he said no. Yeah. I, I think he likes saying optimistic things and then saying, well, maybe. I mean, his and job I, is I, also I, to be. I, I mean, yeah, his I agree. to be the national optimist. I, I agree with you. I don't think he should be doom and gloom. That's, if, if there does need to be doom and gloom, that should be the doctors. I don't think it's good for the head of state slash head of government to be, you know, all... Everything's gonna yeah, like, everything's gonna be terrible, and we're all gonna die. That would that, that would also like, be bad. That'd be Biden. Terrible. Biden's making Biden's cooking on Trump for that. He's like, you're downplaying it and like all that. And I'm like, dude, if you tell everyone they're gonna get this and they're gonna feel like crap, that's just gonna, you know, send the Dow down a spiral again, which is not what you want. Which is not what you want. And you're the therapist in chief. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we got we gotta remember that is that. And also, just generally, the way the media has been framing it, uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna yell and scream about it and call it the end of the world, you're an alarmist. And if you say everything's gonna be fine, you're downplaying it. There's really no winning when it comes to dealing with the news. I don't think there ever has been. Uh, well, ever I'm since gonna, they got rid of Walter Cronkite, there hasn't been. I'm gonna take an uh, kind of an opposite point. I think that um, while Trump didn't like make empty promises that's like how it could be perceived so i feel like he should err on the side of like you know not saying anything because you you all like ha saw what happened when he um, talked about like those two um those two medicines that could potentially work everyone was like like harping on him for it and i feel like um it could have been better for him if he just didn't say anything i mean that that's probably a good point too is that he uh, if he does sound too optimistic, then people will think it's going to be over soon, and they oh, won't. And they won't make any precautions of any sort. So, oh yeah, I talked to my dad actually about those two medications, and about mm -hmm. how the Nevada governor like banned them outside of hospitals. Mm hmm. Um, we talked about how the the governor of Nevada banned those two malaria treatments, right? Oh, like, like a we little talked bit about it yesterday. Yes. I talked to my dad about it last night after the thing. He was like, did he seriously do that? I was like, yeah. He's like, that's that's not intelligent. <laughs> I mean, I don't think the 
governor of Nevada went to med school, and that wasn't recommended by, like, the Surgeon General or anybody. So he just decided to do that. Yeah, I'd be like... That'd basically be like Whitmer going and saying, we're going to ban ibuprofen, you know, for as long as I want. That's not something we need or want or can handle right now. I mean, uh, I mean yeah. we, we have to realize that, you know, at this point, I would agree that obviously listening to medical professionals is the best thing we can do. Mm-hmm. Uh and I, exactly. think, I think that, by and large, politicians should be dealing more with the economic aspect of it, not so much with the uh, social, not not social. Yeah, yeah. and right. I think I think the administration is doing that right now. I mean, the president just basically said, send me something and I'll sign it. And he didn't get into the deep with, you know, the rest of the Senate. Like, I'm pretty sure the Secretary of the Treasury was more on um, the Dem side than the GOP side for I think especially about the, uh, when it came to the, uh, so the universal basic income that was only a month, the, the $1,200 check, uh, I think that for the first part, at least that McConnell opposed that. And I think, I think that's been passed now and I think it's been signed. So I don't know how that's going to go. Um, it's going to the house right now, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, oh yeah, speaking of speaking of that bill with the house, they're trying to like do a voice vote. Yeah, you you sent me that. Thomas Massey strikes again is I hate I okay, I don't hate people because that's too strong a term and that's unchristian. I hate what they did is what you can do. I highly dislike his resistance when he okay, he made the argument like why are why the Senate assembled, why can't we assemble? Um four senators were also being quarantined and that was 100 people, not like or that was actually 96 people, not 100. Yeah. Plus the Secretary of the Treasury, so that's like 97. If and then all the clerks and pages and things like that. Yeah. And then, okay, so you, by that same comparison, how about 435? Yeah. Like, plus by plus the, the exponential growth, rep- that just adds in, like, a lot of stupidity. Plus the representatives from the territories. Yes. Who can't vote. They just get to, like, wave. No, no they just have, they get to sit there. I. So, with territories, like... Why would Pelosi throw in provisions for, like, Howard University and stuff? Uh, I did see that. I saw that Pelosi added all sorts of, uh, I, I mean, I can't find a better word than random, so I'm just going to say random. Uh, you know, funding for, like, the, the Center for Trans uh, Translational Studies and a few things like that. Uh, I How does that have anything to do with, like, aid? I didn't. I didn't like that. It was like two and like two hundred million dollars for like AIDS research. Like, yeah, but wrong, wrong topic, wrong disease. I think she pulled out the wrong will from the wrong year. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it kind of disturbed me to see these random, and then it, it gave a random handout to a random industry. I remember. I'm gonna check now because I, I, I kept a picture log of all these things. Number one, uh. Oh, this is this was really ticking me off. Three hundred million dollars for the IRS. Thirty-five million dollars for the JFK Performing Arts Center. Ninety you know, million. The, president, million... Was that... the president actually was okay with the Kennedy Center thing. Well, yeah, that, that that's fine, but it's also still unrelated. Uh, Ninety million dollars for an HIV program. The a certain 
$36 million for the National Center for Ad Ad Advancing Translational Sciences. $7 million for one specific D.C. charter school. Uh, Gallaudet University. Uh, and then Howard University got $23 million. Uh, $300 million for the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, which is fine. Uh, $500 million for the Institute for Museum and Library Services. That's that's fine. And then a million dollars for the Sergeant at Arms and the Doorkeeper of the Senate. Uh, that was random. Okay, then. And then $300 million, and this is really completely unrelated, and that's why it you know ticked me off, but $300 million for Migration and Refugee Assistance. And then creating another committee called Division M Oversight and Accountability, which I suppose is fine. And then Wi-Fi hotspots and iPads. Yeah, okay, who's getting the Wi-Fi hotspots and iPads? I, I can't read the incredibly small print. Uh, okay, those two universities are private universities in D.C. Yeah. So wouldn't they just get thrown in with the aid for education anyways? Oh, hopefully, but I don't know. Ever Someone's getting, you know, special handouts and... Uh, I don't I mean, understand. I don't understand how, at this time right here, that the top of Speaker Pelosi's priority is migration and refugee assistance. That doesn't look very good. First, she ripped up a speech, and now she's trying to, and then she tried to like pork barrel a, an aid bill. It, you know, I think it symbolizes, and this is, you know, something we've talked about before, is that Speaker Pelosi, even almost missed winning the speakership she wasn't gonna lose it but she almost didn't have enough votes to take it i remember that i remember that uh, and at the beginning, I watched at the beginning her of the did you watch her statement today uh, i did not uh Neither you know, did I. speak about it. i did and people make fun of the president when he has public speaking but like he's better than the other leaders of chambers which kind of i do have to note he has the highest approval out of uh schumer mcconnell and pelosi I mean, Congress always has an abysmal approval rate, but they always get reelected. It's true, because I think everyone likes their local representatives. Here's the other thing, though. Everyone's like Moscow Mitch, and that is like now died. This is... I, I, had, I hadn't heard that one before. I, I still remember was, like, I, I still remember what Don Blankenship called him, which was Cocaine Mitch. <laughs> Why? Uh, I don't remember, but do you know who Don... Bl have you ever heard of Don Blankenship? Sometime before. Okay, then this is going to be a great story, okay? So, the year was 2018. Uh, oh, yeah, I've seen this. And this and this was in West Virginia, and there were it was a three-way race in the Republican primary for who would take on Joe Manchin. There was Patrick Morrissey, a carpetbagger from, uh, I think, Maryland or New York. Uh, they, they called him a carpetbagger because he wasn't from West Virginia. Uh a representative, Ed Jenkins, who was the favorite, and a previously imprisoned coal millionaire uh, who was put in prison for, you know, like, unsafe mining regulations and caused the death of 36 miners. Uh, and that guy. 36 coal miners died because of him. But he was running a campaign. Basically, he, he said all sorts of offensive things, like, to the point where Trump said that guy is too much. Uh... And he said all sorts of insensitive things. He he uh, was attacking Mitch McConnell for having married somebody Chinese. Oh, uh, I'm seeing. Did you know there's a whole section on Wikipedia dedicated to this? Yeah, he was like, uh, yeah, Mitch McConnell has made you know hundreds of millions of dollars for his China family, and then he you know he said a racial slur uh, in his ad. Uh, That's not great. 
And then, uh, and then he said, and I will defeat Cocaine Mitch in the Senate. And I'm like, okay, this guy is, is too many servings of crazy. Uh, Maybe he's the one with the cocaine. He, he lost, he, no, if he was, had, no, he was like really sedated. He wasn't like over the, t- he was like really sedated. Maybe he was on the opposite, what, whatever the opposite of that is. Uh, but now, now he's running for president. I'm sure he's doing just great in the well, primary. He's actually is winning the Constitution Party primary. That's the party he's running under, the Constitution Party. Okay, well, the only time I've ever seen the Constitution Party, like, is on the I side with quiz for, like, when you check your political stances. I, I forget who else is running, but I remember last time it was Daryl Castle. Uh, 2020 Constitution Party primary. By the way, I'd also like to note, that a former governor, Lincoln Chafee, is running for the nomination of the Libertarian Party and is currently polling almost dead last, so he just can't get anything done. Ooh. Uh, okay, so Don Blankenship is in a in a race uh, where his nearest opponent is uncommitted. Fantastic. These people went to the polls and clicked a box that said, I don't really care. Uh, but either way, he's got... He must have been really bored. He's got, you know... He's won two contests, and he, his closest opponent opponent, besides uncommitted, is a guy named John or Don J. Grundman and Charles Kraut. But I, I don't think they're looking too good. I think I think Don Blankenship may have this the Constitution Party primary all wrapped up. So, hey, um, Mr. Ed, yes, look in the Discord chat. Is it is in there just a second? Okay, in just a second. It, it should be sending right about is now. Is it a different topic, or is it still Don Blankenship? Oh, I said the thing. Wikipedia has a whole section dedicated to this. Oh, I, I should read that. Either way, the, and, and I said that to the chat. In other third-party news, I have to say who the, the Green Party nominee is. The Green Party nominee is going to be a guy by the name of Howie Hawkins. I, I haven't looked at him yet, but I'm betting at least $30. Not thir- I don't want to actually bet any money, for the record. Uh, that he is a college professor. Oh, no, he isn't. Huh. I'm glad I didn't bet any real money. Interesting. I, I, I've never seen a, a Green Party nominee who is a, you know, a very much blue-collar type. I'm more used to the uh, Jill Stein and uh, Ralph Nader type. So this is this will actually be kind of interesting because apparently this is this seems like a kind of guy who'd be someone who would take more the people who voted for Andrew Yang. Like he's kind of a third-positionist type thing. Not the liter- in the yeah. literal sense, but... Oh, yes, I, I see that now. And the other thing. And the other thing. I, I, I don't know how to exit pictures. Okay, there we go. Wall Street Journal. Um, so, to talk about our corona time for a little bit. It's corona you time. You know, different events. Yep. Well, you had to at least see one corona time TikTok by now. I, I have not. I, I, I don't have a TikTok. I know, but like... Don't download TikTok. It's owned by the Chinese. It's own. Who who would have shown me? I haven't seen anybody. Remember? I mean, it TikTok was popular. Yig. Yeah, but uh, and I mean, like you can find a TikTok compilation on YouTube quite easily. What's okay? It, what's anyways, it? It, yeah, two I'm looking at the chart. Uh, it doesn't look good. It looks like an exponential growth curve. Well, the Chinese well, that is, that one, yeah. well, the Chinese one looks like a log function, and I'm jealous. That's because it's probably fake. Um, it, it is fake. Anyways, Anyways, um, the G20 pledges five trillion to contain the economic fallout. Where's the? Where are they getting five trillion? Probably the Greek economy. I was gonna say they're gonna print it. 
Well, the European Union has been good at that lately. I am not a fan of the EU's way of Imagine FaceTiming a bunch of other really old people that are, like, very powerful. You mean like that? That seems like something straight out of like an evil, like an evil spy movie. That seems like evil. Well, they legit FaceTimed each other. Like, imagine the, being the one that has technical. Uh like imagine how embarrassing that would be. Yeah, man. Imagine, yeah, being the one with technical difficulties. Like, uh, if, I, the I, crowd, I, if the crown prince had that problem, he probably would have executed like the entire IT department. Okay. By the way, I'd like to note. I can't. I can't zoom in on this, but I'm going to try to. Hmm. And what I'm going to do, actually, can I? Can I? Let's figure it out. Because I'm looking at something, and I think I'm going to add this to the list. Uh, the list of times that Justin Trudeau has been embarrassed on the national stage. Sadly, oh zooming in, I don't, I, don't, I don't think this is one of them. But uh, there's a, you know, almost a compilation video. One of them is at one of these G20 meetings. Uh, he goes up to uh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump pats him on the shoulder, turns his back to him, and walks away. Uh, oh. there's a time when he taps Jair Bolsonaro, the president of Brazil, on the shoulder. Uh, Bolsonaro gives him a nod, turns around <laughs> to shake to shake hands with Victor Orban, who's still and Justin Trudeau is still sitting there, just being ignored. You know, a lot of Western Canadians do not like him. I I know that. I've met people from Alberta who oh my uncle's my uncle lives in Alberta. He hates. Oh okay, yeah. You know, a lot of Alberta like people that live near Calgary. Yeah, are like the Canadian edition Republicans. I I've heard that. I think Al Alberta and Saskatchewan. I mean, yeah. I was that. Yeah, Alberta is like what is it the Texas of Canada? It's an oil producing, very conservative state. Yes. Uh, and they because, and they always talk about seceding. So okay, so here's the deal. So actually, Quebec probably does that more. Um, That's none true. of them like Quebec. But anyways, my mom. Grew up in British Columbia. I don't know if I told you that or not. Well, which part? Like Vancouver or like inner British Columbia? Like like Vancouver Island. All right. You know where that's at, right? Yeah. So, and anyways, um, allegedly, like, the Western Canadians hate the Eastern Canadians because a lot of, like, the West side is, like, the industrial area and the East side is more of the bureaucratic and banking with Quebec that wines a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, I've heard Quebec weird. gets a lot of... uh money from money. the western canadians and in the what are they called equalization payments yes so it's weird because like on the you know how like if you run into people from ontario they're very, in like in the sense they're what liberal yes like yeah like you go to okay you go to western canada and you go like obviously it'd be more rural in some areas but like even the parts that are not They'll still have a rifle, and we're like, how did you get these? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I remember I was talking to Albertans, and I, I've seen on social media that the premier of Alberta, or it might have been Saskatchewan, but whatever his name is, like Patrick, uh, not Patrick, what's his name again? I have to look him up now. Uh, I haven't been to Alberta in a long time, but I go to, like, BC at least once every six months. Jason Kenny. Jason I'll Kenney. have to text my uncle about him but, later. But Jason Kenny, when uh, Trudeau recently won, or I guess that was a yep. year ago or so, when he won election, he wrote a letter to Trudeau that was in the style, and th this is something a little bit more, in Canada they use a little bit more passive-aggressive than flat-out-aggressive like we do. He wrote hmm. a letter that was passive-aggressively 
in a style of one foreign leader to another foreign leader rather than like a subordinate to his head of government. That's great. And so it was like really like passive aggressive. It was like he was writing as if Alberta was a foreign country and that, that Canada would have to do stuff for Alberta. Uh, that. And I, I actually do. I am a really big fan of Jason Kenney, actually, because uh, I have a soft spot, a personal soft spot for th- random third parties. Uh, you know, he was the um, Minister of National Defense of Canada for less than a year. Really? I, I did not know that. But I do know, I do know that he was a member of the Reform Party of Canada, which is my, historically, one of my favorite uh, Canadian political parties. Just because Canada and uh, America decided to have reform parties at the same time and they both failed. But it, it was a valiant effort on both parts. I love um, I love strange uh, strange political parties too. My favorite is the anti-Nebraska party of America. Ah, uh, yes. I remember we, talk, we, we talked about this. Uh, the anti-Nebraska party, which briefly, but... Not briefly enough, uh, was a political party in the United States based on people who just didn't want Nebraska admitted to the Union. Uh, they, 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 I mean, there's nothing really to say because they were exactly what their party title was. They were just against Nebraska. And there was a Chicago mayoral election in which both candidates were Democrats, but on the party line it said, uh, on the ballot it said, pro Nebraska Democrat and anti Nebraska Democrat. Uh, you know, on the topic of weird political alignments as well red i sent you a link a while ago about a random pennsylvania gubernatorial election where the biggest topic was a scandal about furnishing the capitol building Uh, (laughs) it it was quite a strange election then in 19 something 16 14 15 12 something no not 12 but a little between between the years of 1914 and 1920 there was a cow not california a florida gubernatorial election in which the guy who won Sidney Johnston Katz, or Cates, maybe, uh, won the only governorship for the Prohibition Party. Wow. And okay. he was a Baptist preacher turned insurance salesman, turned Baptist You're preacher You're barking. Again. I'm sorry, that's my dog. Where's my dog? My dog's here outside. My dog's sleeping. He always sleeps. He's awake, like, the entire night, though, but he's, he's sleeping. So he's a nocturnal dog. Yes, he is a nocturnal dog. You know another good party? What? The rent is too darn high party of New York. Yes, I remember that. Jimmy McMillan, a activist, a rent control activist who, uh... Thinks the Brexit that... party. The Brexit party! The poor Brexit party. <laughs> the Brexit party is the only political party that I know itself to purposefully want it to self to have less power because the only seats that it had were yep. were in the uh the european parliament and then they were Thank like no we, we need to put ourselves out of work was their whole uh and now they only have like what is it like four seats in the welsh assembly they're supposed to become the reform party soon so that'll be that'll be interesting but well uh, they got their job done so i'd say they'd be they were like they have a 100% success rate. It, it's true, but I also must say, Boris Johnson would have a much more comfortable majority right now. I, already, I know he already has a pretty comfortable majority, but he would actually have a more comfortable majority. That was the worst liberal loss since, like, World War II. Labor loss. 
They still have a liberal party. It's on life I'm support, sorry, sorry, but it's I'm still sorry. there. And their leader lost her seat. Uh, what was her name? Okay, Joe jo Swinson. Me how like May couldn't get anything done, and Boris showed up and was like, "Showtime." Oh, because he called an election, and then he won in a huge landslide. May called an election and had to form a government with the Democratic Unionist Party, who now hate her. Uh, and so Boris decided to call an election, and the Labour Party was like, no, we, we're, we don't want an election. And Johnson was, and yeah, and Boris Johnson was like, chicken, haha, you're chickens. And they were like, no, we're not chickens. And then they voted to call an election. Uh, originally, by the way, the Brexit Party, the Brexit Party did a strategy, actually, because originally they were going to run in all 650 constituencies, all right? Uh, yep. And that was actually going to help the Liberal Democrats, uh, who now only have 11 seats. But they were talking about the Liberal Democrats possibly getting 200. Because there's that many marginal seats like that are with like less than 5 or 10 points. Uh, and they were afraid of the Brexit Party. So the Brexit Party pulled out of all seats where the Conservatives were uh, in power. Except for one in Cornwall. Interesting. Uh, where Anne Whittacombe ran. Anne Whittacombe, an interesting, interesting person, but we're not going to get to that right now. Uh, and so then Joe Swinson and the Liberal Democrats' entire strategy just got a direct torpedo to the hall, and they actually only lost one seat, and it was their leader. Which is embarrassing. Uh, yeah. The Scottish National Party got 49 seats. Their highest was 54 but the Scottish National Party, that means in Scotland, they probably still want to leave the UK and join, rejoin the EU. But I remember a very weird promise made by the leader of the Scottish Conservative Party before she resigned, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Ruth Davidson. She said if the SNP got more than 50 seats in the next uh, general election that she would swim naked across the Loch Ness. There you uh, go. Everyone was very up very late trying to figure out if that would happen because it looked like they would get 51 seats. Thus... An issue there for Ruth Davidson, but they ended up only getting 49, so... Oh, so she was just barely saved. Yeah, on a technicality, mm. on a technicality nonetheless. So close. And do you know why on a technicality? Because the SNP still had an official candidate on the ballot who they had expelled from the party. <laughs> but he won anyways. That's like the European version of Amash. Exactly, but but he won. He won re-election anyways, and now he's seated in Parliament, and... It's just kind of awkward. Because he got kicked out of his party. Why is that party? No. And so he's just kind of there. I think he's the only independent actually in the House of Commons right now, which is also probably awkward. But either way, uh, there were these seats. It's Okay, so the, Northern England is like the Midwest in the U.S. Like traditionally Democratic mm -hmm. voters, but they're also really blue-collar areas. Well, that's because of where the Industrial Revolution, like, started. Yeah, they, and, you know, they're, they're you know, blue-collar types, you know, good, honest, hard-working people tend to vote a little bit more to the left, but they really liked the Brexit Party's populism, okay? So the Brexit Party only ran in seats where Labour held them, and so the Brexit Party, Boris Johnson, by the way, did not actually pick up that many votes, but Nigel Farage's Brexit Party took about... 10, 20, sometimes even 30% from the Labour Party and allowed the Conservatives to win. So, as soon as Brexit is now over and in 20... What is it? 2025 or 2024, whenever the next UK general election is, 
the conservatives were going to have a really hard time holding on to those seats. Because yeah. the Brexit Party won't be around. Uh, but if Boris Johnson had actually reciprocated the pact with Nigel Farage, uh, because the Brexit Party came in second, or like a close third in a number of seats, if the conservatives had pulled out, then totally the Brexit Party wouldn't have been able to win. They would have gotten about 15 seats. And Boris would actually be sitting on an even bigger majority, and he probably would have enjoyed that better. But, and, it, you know, it was it was kind of strange, but... You know who I'm honestly not a fan of? Nigel? Corbin. You're not a fan of Jeremy Corbin. I, 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 I suspected you weren't a fan of Jeremy Corbin. It isn't, like... I'd seen some things where he just seemed like an anti-Semite. He, yeah, he, he, the Labour yeah, Party, the Labour Party... The Labour Party is one of only two political parties in British political history to be ever investigated for, uh, inst like, institutionalized racism. The other one was the British National Party, which was an openly neo-Nazi party. That doesn't make me feel bad. Yeah, not a list you want. Yeah. Not a list you want to be on. Uh, but. Yeah, Jeremy Corbyn, uh, the only thing I, I think he will be remembered for in recent history, or in, I guess, long-term history, is the meme of him saying, unfortunately, there are people in our society. <laughs> just be, just because the way the way his speech lined up with the closed captioning, that's all that it says. Unfortunately, there are people in our society. <laughs> you know, and I, or, and, I, and I would have to agree with him. Or just losing people, that. Well, there wouldn't be coronavirus. That. I mean, I guess that's that's one way of looking at it, but uh, he may be remembered. Like anyone remember Neil Kinnock? Vaguely, Neil Kinnock right. was the other guy who kept losing, like Mister Jeremy Corbyn. But he lost, like, it, it, you know, same kind of deal. You know, everyone thought that it was like inevitable, and then you know. It wasn't, and, and for some reason, Jeremy Corbyn's still around. He would have—he was supposed to have like resigned, and they were supposed to have picked a new leader by now, but they haven't. So that's that's going to be an issue for the Labour Party. But I think you know what's going to be an issue. What is if Biden loses? I do have to say that is going to be an issue. I I don't know who would run in twenty twenty four if that's the issue. I don't get why he ran in 2020. Like, if they had yeah. like, kept, if they had kept like Buttigieg, and there was no Biden, I don't know. I don't know if he would have been able to beat Trump. I I don't. No, I think his name. Rec they needed somebody with. They needed somebody with high name recognition. Yeah, but um, my dad and I have actually been talking about it a lot. And if you look at him, you know how it's like kind of a joke that he he um is. He looks like a fool when he um, goes to speak publicly, right? Yeah, poor Joe. It's concerning almost, and he he's showing some signs of like like disorders, like dementia. That that yeah, that's that actually. Um, I was talking about this with Ed before you got on. That a family friend of ours is a psychiatrist, mm -hmm. and she was like, "They're not joking." And I was like, oh, "That doesn't make me feel good at all." Because, you know, um, not only that, but the way he's like, if I ran the show with, like, this pandemic, hmm. as a formerly affected official and as, like, a former vice president, you're supposed to kind of condone doing what the government suggests in the middle of a public health crisis. 
not being like, oh, you're screwing this up, but like, no. I mean, I do have to admit, there I have seen some concerning moments from Joe Biden. One of them was when he uh, thought Margaret Thatcher was still in power in the UK. Oh my goodness. That, oh, that was no. that was actually about two years ago, but I remember in a public speech he said, "Yes, I will work with European leaders like Margaret Thatcher." And I'm like, "Oh, oh, she's dead." Like on top of not being in government anymore, <laughs> she has been dead since. What, you know what? Since what is he it? Might get better. He might talk. He might start talking about trying to beat George Bush. Twenty third. By the way, that's what I meant to mention earlier. Nancy Pelosi has referred to President Trump as President Bush on multiple occasions. Is she, does she just have, like, PTSD from losing? I mean, at this point, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, the, weirdly enough, weirdly enough, by the way, if she had not run in 2016, now would have been the perfect time for Hillary to run. That's true. Because yeah. she, she has high name recognition, she's an experienced public speaker, uh, and people, you know, have as strong feelings about her as they do have about Trump. So... Hillary, I think you played your cards wrong. I, I think you're right there. Although, who would have run in 2016 besides Bernie? Oh, they would have gotten yeah. Joe, they would have gotten Joe to run in 2016. But I, he, I mean, yeah, he probably would have been. He actually probably would have won then, but he probably would have stepped down uh, after a term. You think so? I mean, it's. I mean, that's a stressful job. I mean, you remember seeing Obama go from having completely black hair to being completely gray. By the first like three years, by like like four you know, times Trump, faster Trump than normal age. age. Who? Trump shows age already. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's. I mean, yeah, he's clearly aged. He's let a lot more of his hair go gray. Okay, like, imagine if we just got like a bearded bald Trump for like second term. What What if Trump just stopped donning his hair? Put that image in my brain. Like, uh, I mean, what if he? I mean, he kept his hair on the same way he does it. But what if he just stopped dyeing it? What if it was just like it a was full gray? Time? Yeah. I don't think it'd be a terrible look, to be honest. You don't know if that would be a terrible look, or you do think that would be a terrible look? I don't know if it would be because, like, that would give you the much more like experienced like grandpa vibes. <laughs> like well, that'd be the hip grandpa. Oh boy. Uh, you know, it's... never describe. Trump as a hip grandpa ever again, please. Uh, I think that I, you know, I think I don't even know what to think. Uh, either way, I realistically in 2016, they they could have let Bernie do that final trench charge and lose miserably, and that would have given the establishment more defense. In all honesty. Yeah, but now if the establishment loses. Yeah, exactly. So if what would have happened is in 2016, if they let Bernie get the nomination, a lot of moderate Democrats. Uh, wouldn't have voted for him. I think they would have been willing to risk Trump, in all honesty. Uh, well, a lot of people, or not a lot, but a considerable number of people that were Bernie fans that were irritated enough with the DNC about mm -hmm. how Hillary kind of swept the rug from under Bernie's feet. Yep. Um, true, too. A lot of them voted for Trump. I, I think, not a lot, but I would say enough. Because I know, a like... considerable number. A cons yeah, a considerable number. Uh, and I would say if Sanders got the nomination in 2016, I think uh, Midwestern suburban voters would have turned up their nose at both choices and said, well, I know one of these people isn't going to touch my 401k. And so reluctantly, yeah. they would have voted for Trump. And I think Trump would have won by a heck of a lot more if Bernie was the nominee. I think, 
if I, Trump remotely resurrects people's 401ks by no- November. Yeah, that, that's true. I, I totally agree. But in 2016, in all honesty, I feel as if Bernie had been the nominee, that the Democrats would have, like, lost the entire, almost the entire Midwest, except Illinois, and Illinois would have been eerily close. They almost would have lost Oregon. Uh, they probably would have lost Nevada, Colorado. Uh, New Mexico would have been close. Virginia, Trump probably would have won. Pennsylvania, Trump would have won. Ma- Trump might have won all of Maine. Trump might Didn't have won Trump New Hampshire. Win Pennsylvania? No, he did. Yeah, but he won, would have won it by a lot more. Because oh, yeah. he, he would have gotten the Pennsylvania suburbs and the industrial pencil part of Pennsylvania. Yeah. And so it would have been a disaster. And I think that the Democratic Party would have said, okay, look, the progressive wing lost. Thus, you should come back to the moderate wing. And then this time... We Let's can... change that. Our... Yeah, they've been like, you lost, now come let us reason again. Yeah. And then it would have been... That was your um, biblical quote for the day. I, I expected at least one. It's, it's almost the end of the show, and I we've only had one, so... Oh. Either way. Well, you've had your random chimp event, and there's been no name drops, and now you had a Bible verse. We're basically done. That, that's... <laughs> You know, that's actually kind of interesting, because I would like to turn to a, a more biblical note. Uh, and I actually, I was thinking about this, you know, kind of deeply. And today, uh, and this is just like on to Christian issues, uh, an issue plaguing the church. And I was watching an, uh, a lecture on the Council of Nicaea by James White, uh, Dr. James White. And he went on a little teeny tangent like we do here often about how he was at a debate and he he is a Presbyterian, but I think he might be an Episcopal. I don't remember, but he was at a theological debate and he said it was weird because it was the first time he wasn't either moderating or in the debate. And what he heard was somebody say, and this somebody who is a Christian said this, he heard somebody say on the debate stage, you know, we have to think about things that Jesus wouldn't have thought of because after all, Jesus was just a man from the first century. Oh, Um, that's questionable. And he was, he was like, completely shocked. And he was like, what? And, and after the debate, he went up and talked to the guy. And the guy said, yeah, you don't really believe the disciples thought Jesus was God, right? And he's like, yeah, no, I, I, I do. That's kind of what our whole faith is predicated on. Uh, and so he went on to a tangent about that because there that is... That moment when... Go yeah, for it. Go, you, know, you go on. You're about to tell a timely joke. I actually wasn't about to do the timely joke. Gosh darn it. I thought I thought you were prepared for it. Either way, uh, what, what is, I think, the important thing is that in Christianity right now, I I think there, there might be a considerable amount of people who think that Jesus was just a guy who said really nice things. Like, more like viewing him like the Buddha than properly the... That defeats the entire point, though. I know it defeats the entire point, which is why Who's I find it ridiculous. Like... What was the name of the very famous sect that, like, did not believe in the divinity of the Christ? Uh, like, the inferiority of Christ, or, like, just not the divinity at all? Not the divinity. I think that those were Gnostics, but somebody needs to check me on that. They might have been Gnostics. It's in my world history textbook somewhere. What I feel like mentioning is the, uh, the Arium, Ari, the followers of Arius, who were Arians, that's what they're called, Arians. Not to be confused with the Nordic thing, so I'm just going to call them the followers of Arius, but the uh, the followers of Arius and the Eusebians believed that Christ was divine, but that he was not always divine. 
they believe that that part in the Bible where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, uh, and God looked down on him. Now we got to get more Bible quotes in, you know, you know, truly you are my son and I love you that remember that they believe my son, Brian, well, pleased. Yeah. They believe that that is the moment that Christ became the son of God. You know, what's weird. What? Uh. You know, who's one of the followers of that faith? Uh, you both Eusebius, the Eusebii. Isaac Newton. Really? Isaac Newton was an Aryan. Uh, I was, was a modern semi-Aryan. Oh, semi-Aryan. The I, fact that he's even part of it makes me curious. Yeah, so they're subordinationists, so they believe that in the Godhead, that Christ is in a subordinate position. Explaining the Trinity is not something we can accomplish in these last six minutes of the show. Uh, but I would like to note, you know, taking some, you know, hints from... Maybe we should talk about this more tomorrow, and you can both... I, I will give you both daily diatribe homework to read the Wikipedia page that has just been sent. Oh, we're on break! Exactly, but no, here's homework. You're on a break, I'm not on a break. Yeah, I, I'm sure Mr. Dove over there will just fit this into his... His, his daily reading of three books. Uh, uh, good luck. But yeah, just, just just read that Wikipedia page he sent to the, the chat. Uh, and maybe a few related links. But what I think is important about, you know, those kind of debates is I think today we have a lot of debates that question the divinity of Christ. Because I think people, it, because we live, you know, historically in a relatively comfortable time, you know, barbarian tribes aren't coming around to raid your house. Uh, and although we do have the, yeah, yeah, not yet. You live in the UP. I don't know what happens in the UP, but. (laughs) We are talking about what happens in the UP. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But at least down here, there aren't barbarian tribes raiding. Uh, although we may have the coronavirus, there's like no, you know, there's no plague. You know, there are no Gauls. Yeah. There are no Gauls. Uh, there's no Roman empire, uh, you know, persecuting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All of this applies to exactly right now. Uh, but there is no, you know, sort of the same roadblocks. We got better medicine. Uh, we got plumbing, you know, we got plumbing. That's a big one. It is a big one. We got plumbing and, you know, we got, for the most part, we got water. Uh, and so. Well, you know what? Yes. Rome didn't fall on a day. It's true. Well, it sort of did. Okay, it got burned in a day. It didn't actually. No, but. You're right, but I, I was trying to be, you know, uh, what is it, a contrarian, but I, I decided not to. Either way. You weren't, you weren't an apologist for anybody this time. No, I was I was not. Instead, what I'm going to say is that, you know, we have all these things that they didn't have back then. And so we live a relatively or a comparatively comfortable lifestyle to then first, second, and third, and fourth, and even the rest up until this century Christians. And so we, in this day and age are a little comfortable letting certain things slip because a lot of people feel that it's only necessary to pray during bad times. You know what I mean? I don't like that. But I, I, it's important to pray in both good times and bad times. Yes. You know what? You'd find this interesting. And I, I should probably, um, I should have sent you this. A, um, so I have some friends down in um, Denver, and this is in Denver, Colorado. This is Denver, North Carolina. Ah, but anyways... Yes. Their church down there was doing a Facebook Live special because, you know, nobody can go to church right now. Yeah. Um, on the book of Job. Oh, poor Job. <laughs> poor Job. Got the boils and the pox. 
Yeah. His family uh, but anyways, away. I it really annoys me when you have people that, you know, completely ignore the existence of, you know, any sort of deity. And then they say, oh, our thoughts and prayers are with you when something happens. Or the people that only, like, go to service, like, twice a year. I do have to say, and and this is terrible, and, and you know, this is very bad of me, but I, I made this joke on Christmas oh, Eve to okay, my so. pastor and everyone that I recognized at church that evening. And, oh, no. and it was on Christmas Eve. And I said, you know, pastor, we should hand out little pamphlets that say church open 52 Sundays a year. That, that's awesome. It, it's also kind of <laughs> it, it's it's incredibly judgy. But here's the issue. When you come into church on Christmas and Easter and the pews are completely full and like you're like, this is where I sit. And there are these people you haven't seen since Christmas uh, there. And you're like, well, come on, man. You know, I, this is my seat. Oh, you know what's great? You know what you should do? What? Like, hey, you look older. <laughs> hey, no, hey, where have you been? I was worried. Uh, <laughs> oh. But, you you're know. Like, how are your taxes this year? Yeah, I mean, it. people, people, please, I mean, when this happens. Actually, you know, now now it's easier. So please tune in to your local church's live streams or, you know, their, their you know daily devotional or their email letter or something like that and send your donations because... Now, more than ever, especially because a lot of churches are involved in community relief, it is an important time to donate to your church and to be, uh, you know, in constant communication with God. This, I, this is, you may find this part interesting. So, you know what tithing is, obviously. Yeah, 10%. Um, yeah. Um, because, you know, nobody's there. Mm -hmm. You know how we, like, we might start tithing in the future? Online tithes. Zell. What? What's Zell? It's like you know what Venmo is, right? Vaguely. It's like the Chase, J.P. Morgan Bank version of Zell, or not Zell of Venmo, where you don't have to pay any fees, and it it's like it's like a joint venture between all the major banks to make transactions easier. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, you can you can now tithe with your phone in Zell. Well, I was I was gonna suggest that every church set up a Patreon. Uh, now, and this is another thing. This is another thing Dr. James White talked about just before we go, because I see it at the time that the hour is already late. But uh, he mentioned that there is, and I am a Protestant, and thus I, I, and we are all Protestants, and thus we are guilty of this. And he, he said he was guilty of this. He's a Protestant, too. He said that from a young age, when we're learning about church history, we don't learn a lot about church history that's non-biblical because... You know, we've kind of been taught, you know, those were just a bunch of Catholics. Uh, but they weren't, because the modern co conception of, like, Roman Catholicism wasn't until much later. Like, you look at the Council of Nicaea, 325. If they were Roman Catholics, they wouldn't have had to have a council. They just would have asked the Pope, you know what I mean? Yeah. If they really believed in Petrine supremacy, they, they would have just said, you know, hey, mister, I don't know, what, I'm just going to make up a name, and I hope it was right. Pontifex Maximus. Yeah, th that is the title. So, yes, hey, mister Pontifex Maximus. You know, what are we supposed to do about this whole Aryan crisis? What are we supposed to do about the date of Easter and all that? But no, it was it was a pentarchy, and they made decisions, like, as a council. They didn't really believe in a supremacy of a certain see. So they, they weren't all Catholics. Uh, they were Catholic in the sense of universal. They were not Roman Catholics. But uh, I just think it's important for Protestants to learn a lot about church history and the early church, because a lot of things that we will go through in the future were gone through 
are undergone rather undergone by the early church. You um, know, speaking of the early church, since you know my whole fam is like home now, mm-hmm. um, we're making a point of reading like two chapters every day, and we're going to look at the Book of Acts right now. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Acts is Acts is great. Wait a minute. Uh, in a certain letter in Acts, and it might, might be in Corinthians, but I remember this is in Paul, and I'm going to say this. Don't mean to interrupt, but I just need to say this before I forget. Uh, is that in a certain book, in either Corinthians or in a certain chapter in either Corinthians or Acts, Paul talks about, uh, he casually mentions the Trinity. Uh, and that means, and that's important because it implies that he had already taught the Trinity. And even though it yes. hasn't appeared formally yet. So if you find that, uh, just take really big note of that because that's really important because it relates to the Orthodox Jewish morning prayer. Yes. Uh, you know, about the Godhead. So it's just a really important footnote and just like, I haven't, I haven't encountered it yet, but if I do, I'll like text you. Yeah. Like start it. I'll I'll text you the verse if I find it. Anyway, continue. Anyways, you find like your first evidence outside of people cutting each other's ear off about people having beef in the Bible. Really? The separation of Paul and Barnabas. That's true. That's true. Like it doesn't say a falling out. It just says, um, Okay, now I gotta look it up. But, but, um, uh, Acts. Yeah, continue. Um, no, I I don't remember what it said in the King James. Um, depart. I gotta look for it now. Oh, I don't see it. Either way, when you find it, we'll put it on tomorrow's show. But either way, I think it's important. Also, the King James version is my favorite version, except for. The grammar's changed a little bit, so you have to, like, understand Shakespeare to understand the King James Bible. Uh, well, I, I grew up with it, so, like... Yeah. I, which is funny, because, like, whenever we do Shakespeare in middle school, and everybody was, like, reading backwards and somewhat sideways. Yeah, I, I totally... I was like, hey, I know this. I totally get you, but there was one word that messed me up, and it was persons when they mentioned persons. Uh, oh, per- yeah. Persons should be read as states of being and not persons. It makes the Trinity a lot easier to understand because, or else you end up with these. That does make sense. People do you, today. Do I have e sword? Do I have what? Do you have e sword? No. You what should is... get it because, like, it has Strong's numbers and it's an app on your phone or on a PC. I will remember that, and then I remember I also have on my computer. I have like a Greek version of the Bible. It, it has your Strong's numbers with the Greek, and and another important thing for everyone to read. Is the the sart the sig, sig, the segentarian? It's the Greek version of the Old Testament. The seg, I can't pronounce it. And yeah, the, I, I know what you're talking about. And the an interesting study to do, and I do not have the time to do this, and nobody has the time to do this. But if you just have a bunch of, if you have a solid forty eight hours laying around, uh, you should get a copy of the Dewey Rhymes Bible and a copy of the King James Bible and compare. You know, we have several of both. And if you speak Latin, then you should get a copy of the Vulgate and a copy of the King James and compare. I do not have a copy of the Vulgate. How dare you? No, I'm kidding. I don't have a copy. Actually, you know I don't have a copy of the Vulgate either. It's in Latin. Actually, no, I'm in the study right now and I'm looking at the wall. Like, you... Because like my dad has it organized by like wall and like I'm looking at the side with like I'm sure your family has the what the Bible teaches. We I, I we usually do a lot of stuff online. I mean I don't think we have oh, a my dad we don't, like we don't have a lot of physical entire... books. My dad has, like, the entire... Well, he He's, like, 50-something. So he has, like, all the books, like, before they went online. Uh, 
I have, I just have a ton. I have a ton of books about Nicaea. Uh, all three I volumes. Noticed. All three volumes on the way to on the way to Nicaea. Another book by Lewis Ayers called. Uh, I don't even remember. I just remember it's like a Nicaea and its consequences, and uh, and then I think another book and a few essays. The we essays are, or essays are online. I, I'm a big Nicaea guy. I have to, I, I'm writing a massively, paper about this. We are massively over time, but if you could send me the Amazon link, uh, I will I, I'll totally read them. And then I actually am. Uh, in the next two days, I will be getting the. Or I'll be getting into the Christianity Not Mysterious by John Toland. Oh, that'll that'll be a good read. Either way, uh, thank all of you for listening. Remember to like, subscribe, share, and pester your friends and neighbors over text. Remember the social distancing thing. Uh, to listen and to this podcast, we air every day from 9 p.m. to, I guess we're a little over time now, so let's just say 10.05-ish p.m. Uh, so thank all of you. God bless America. Hosts, any closing word? I, I don't have anything, dude. I, I think I'm... Or do I? Okay, that, that was a little disappointing. But either way, thank you. God bless and have a great night. And tonight we have our closing music, which is by Handel. So enjoy.